0: Action! Welcome to Taunt Stubs, the trash movie podcast with me, Robert Gershenson, photographer and head of podcast at Trash, which could be found at movetotrash.co.uk and... Joshua Winning, the greatest film critic you've never heard of. And we're going to the movies. We're going to continue our celebration of the films of Xavier Dolan by moving on to
1: his 2014 drama, Mummy. Joshua. 15-year-old Steve Deprez, played by Antoine Olivier Pilon, uh, he suffers from some kind of... Um, disorder that means that he flies into kind of rages it's adhd <laughs> he's got adhd <laughs> some sort of disorder yeah he's got a disorder no but we don't really know because no, we, i'm sure it is adhd we're given some explanations by the mother but we'll yeah. get to that okay and he is basically being ejected from the care center that he's been living in mm-hmm. and so his mother die who's played by anne d'orval she has to look after him That turns out to be very tricky because he is so volatile and unpredictable. Mm -hmm. And so Di, uh, her life is basically turned upside down. But she enlists
0: kind of the help of the neighbour. This really quiet woman who has had some sort of breakdown. She has a stutter. She doesn't Mm. seem to like her home life. So she's just as much looking for a safe space as Die is looking for help.
1: Yeah. And so, yeah, it's Kyla played by Suzanne Clemont, who was uh, one of the lead characters in Lawrence anyways. And she says that she's on sabbatical, which clearly is a cover for either she lost her job for some reason or she's been told that she can't work or yeah. you know something's going on there. But also the film purports a society that has passed some
0: bizarre law where parents can give up ownership of their children and hand them over to the state if they're in financial uh distress and they can't look after their children for whatever reason.
1: Yeah, the film starts with this introductory text that talks about the S14 law mm-hmm. which I was really thrown by. I was like is this Xavier Dolan doing a weird kind of political sci-fi thing or Yeah, and as far as as far as concepts go, it's not the
0: strongest. It's not like New York has been turned into a state penitentiary for the whole of America, and now Snake Pitkin has to go in and get out. Yeah,
1: it's. I couldn't tell if it's just because he Xavier Dolan wasn't entirely sure what the what the situation is in present day America slash Canada um, in terms of looking after, caring for people who do suffer from such things like ADHD. I, I can't imagine he thinks that's that's a law, but. I
0: just think it's a little bit of a shoehorn, as we see later on.
1: But he knows, he knows it's not a law in Canada. It's, he, it was inspired by an article that he read about a mother who used some kind of law to transfer the, the custody of her child onto the state instead of away from himself. And in America? He can't remember which country that was in, okay. but he definitely read this article, and that's what inspired this oh, idea for the film, Mommy. Had you seen it before? No, I'd bought it right after I watched Heartbeats. I went on like a Xavier Dolan shopping spree and yeah. just bought everything that he'd ever made. And well, Mommy was one of them.
0: Why didn't you watch it?
1: I just haven't got around to it. Just got so many films that I have to watch. And Mommy is just one of them. It's been sitting there kind of trying to lure me in. And I finally got to watch it for this podcast. You'd seen it before, right?
0: I had seen it before. I really enjoyed it as well. Um, it's long and it's it's kind of heartbreaking. What strikes me the most is it's sort of a blend of his early style of I Killed My Mother, Heartbeats, and Lawrence, Anyways. But it's got this desire to be more mainstream, which is bizarre for a film that's got a 1-1 uh, like ratio.
1: Yeah, and that's right down to the music. The music is, is things like Dido, Oasis, mm-hmm. Counting Crows. They are properly mainstream bands. Yeah. Whereas previously he's used maybe edgier, more kind of sidelined hip hop, hip hop, -hop, like electro hipster type stuff. So when this starts with Dido, it's like, oh god, right, okay, we're in we're in kind of mainstream territory here Mm -hmm. in a lot of ways. But Xavier Dolan got really pissed off that people compared Mommy to I killed my mother. Which seems odd because there are so many throwbacks to "I Killed My Mother" in this film, not least the casting of Ann Dolan as another mother figure in one of his films. Yeah, but she's so
0: different. This woman is a mess, and she's so <laughs> wild. Mm. You know, she's very much almost like like an older sister, best friend person for Steve, Her, not really his mother. Whereas in the first film, in "I Killed My Mother," she plays a really uptight. Almost cold woman who is just systematically looking after her child, yeah, this that's one true. can't seem to look after her child and struggles,
1: yeah there's that suggestion where she talks about the fact that she used to live in Toronto when she was younger, and the film really makes you or made me think what would happen if you were this carefree, glamorous i guess um party loving person, yeah who through whatever through whatever avenue, then had a child, but that child turned out to be um, very difficult to manage, mm-hmm. and that's the situation that she's found herself in. Which is, she had this obviously this life that then she gave up in order to ra- have a family. And well, ra- it got her child. taken
0: away from her because the, the husband, yeah, the husband died, left them in debt, and now mm-hmm. she's on her ass.
1: Yeah, and I think like you mentioned the the one by one aspect ratio of the film, it really it it's literally narrowing their world it's, yeah. it's making their world so much smaller than everything else it's very claustrophobic else. it is and it's something he
0: did in Lawrence Always Anyways, anyways Lawrence Anyways did he? yeah it was a, a reduced ratio wasn't it?
1: oh yeah of course because it was 90s so it has that yeah, 90s 4x3 so 4x3 yeah but
0: in this I was very it, it's binary I was either not aware of the ratio at times or I was completely aware of it
1: yeah It was clever because you get, you almost get, you feel like you get more access to the person because a person is that, because it looks like a rectangle on the screen. It doesn't look like it's actually a square. It looks more like a rectangle. Okay. So it looks like you're watching them through a kind of almost a phone screen.
0: Oh, in portrait. uh, In portrait, portrait. yeah.
1: So you feel like you're getting more of an insight into them in some ways. There's nothing else in the screen on on the sides, on the peripheral
0: to distract.
1: Yeah. And that's what Xavier Dolan said. Um, he said it would avoid distractions to the left and right of the frame and have the audience look the characters right in the eye, which it does. It's impossible to uh, escape the characters because yeah. they are front and centre literally and there's nothing really around them a lot of the time. Especially in close-up. Yeah, it's so effective and it really it is claustrophobic and it really puts you right there with the characters. And the really great thing about it is that, you know, people there was a response to the film at Cannes and and certain people kind of going, oh, it's so pretentious that he's shot it in one by one. Yeah. And Dolan himself has said that people probably think this, but he chose it um, because he felt like it would be weird to be in this, in their tiny apartment, trying to portray just how small and claustrophobic it is. And not only that, but their actual, the world of the characters is so small that the ratio really helped him achieve that. Mm -hmm. But then suddenly you realise that he, that's exactly what he's doing because halfway through the film, this, the, this, the aspect ratio completely opens up. Yeah. And it's he, this joyful moment where the characters are suddenly free and they're running well, down the street. he pushes the frame. He opens the frame, what Steve does, yeah. yeah. And you suddenly realise that this is a really, really clever bit of visual storytelling that you hadn't even necessarily realised was happening. Mm-hmm. You just kind of thought, oh, this is Xavier Dolan being a bit arty and strange. Um, and then suddenly the power of the emotion behind the thinking of that framing comes through and it's just this joyous moment.
0: Do you often think that, that he's just being arty for the sake of arty? Or do you think there's rhyme and reason for the choices that he's made in the way that he's presenting his films, this one in particular?
1: Um, I think he always has a reason for the way that he shoots things. I don't think he's just doing it to be uh, what provocative. Yeah, he's not doing it just to be provocative or whimsical mm-hmm. or, um, yeah, I think that he always has some thinking behind it. And that's mm-hmm. why in Lawrence, anyways, it's so it's so effective because, you know, it's set in the 90s and that is how a lot, that's how you watched films on TV in the 90s, which was in that four by three. And when I, when I, when I first saw Mommy being advertised, I did assume that it was actually shot on a phone oh, because really? it looks like it, that, you know, that's the, the shape of a phone essentially. Yeah. Um, but no, I was pleasantly surprised that it had such a thought behind it, and it, it, it was there for a reason. And then when the the screen opens up, you do get that swell of joy, and then when it shrinks back down again, you mm. feel it. It's such like a oh god, it's, you know they've had they've gone back to how it was
0: because they got that that writ, letter, that
1: letter, and it's so sad, and you feel trapped. You you feel how she feels. Well, she gets the letter, then she just pauses. Yeah. Well, why do you think she
0: just pauses before going back into the room or putting the letter away?
1: Well, the film kind of plays around with the idea that, that, that she hopes for the best in, a lot, in some ways. Mm-hmm. She kind of wants to be able to live this carefree, happy life with her son. And she clearly loves him. Like, the relationship between them is, is actually really quite beautiful and yeah. very caring and very affectionate.
0: Which is strange for a Xavier Dolan film.
1: Yeah, well, that's, that, that was one of the big things that really hit me right at the start of the film when she, uh, when she kind of cracks him out of this care home and has yeah. to take him home. And there's a great long sequence where they go from the care centre to her house, which takes a while, and there's kind of a bit of a travelogue feel to it. But I was expecting it to be a repeat of the start of I Kill My Mother where they're mm-hmm. in the car screaming at each other. Yeah. But with mommy, they're actually interacting on really nice. What well, they swear a lot. Yeah. Typical Xavier Dolan dialogue. But they're actually really sweet with each other, and it feels warm and it feels summery and and you know the 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 filter is really autumnal and um, yeah, you get that real sense that they do love each other. It's just this illness is a thing between them that erupts every once in a while.
0: Yeah, it 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 completely jars with her desires in life.
1: Yeah, and that's why she pauses because she's had that moment where the screen opens up and it, mm. their world literally opens up and then it's like this slow dawning of realisation that... Yeah, fuck. I think that. I, because think, then when I think she knew the happiness wouldn't last and yeah. she's
0: just savouring the last of it before she has to bring yeah. the news that... We're being sued.
1: Yeah. Because you, I don't know if you felt the same way, but when it, when the, when the frame opened up, it was such a relief. And it said so much about the the journeys of the characters that Mm -hmm. I was just like, don't go back, don't go back, (laughs) don't go back, don't go back. Which is exactly how she feels. Yes. You're put in her frame of mind through visuals. It's so clever.
0: But of course it's going to go back.
1: It had to go back. It had to. Yeah.
0: It can't be happy ever after immediately. There has to be. Another hurdle to get over.
1: Yeah. But then when it did go back, I kept thinking, don't do the same trick again, don't do the same trick again, which he doesn't necessarily, even though the frame does open up again, it's done in a way that is different to what we've just seen. Well, we don't see it open up, do we? Yeah, we do. It zooms in. No, later on.
0: Later on, we don't see it, do we? I can't remember. Yeah. Remind me.
1: it's It's an aerial shot of a city where they're going on their road trip and... The camera moves in towards the city and the frame opens up to become widescreen again for a second time. And then, oh, when then they're taking becomes, him to the.
0: Yes, yeah. I do remember, yes.
1: And it becomes that whole sequence where you see him grow up and it's really beautiful. Yes. And he has but a wedding. He
0: is using it in a completely different yeah. way because he's not saying everyone's situation is going to be amazing. It's her life. The film is called Mummy. This is really revealing itself to be her story. So she's the one who's going to have the great life. She's putting the son into care and
1: she's going to now... No, but that's not when the frame opens up.
0: You said that was when they're on the aerotur, when they're going on their because it road trip.
1: A, yeah, Yeah, but that's because it becomes a dream sequence. It becomes her imagining this perfect future for her son that doesn't actually happen. No, I don't think she's
0: imagining <clears throat> that as the perfect future for the son. Mm. I think she's saying goodbye to the, the future that he could potentially have, the one that she wanted him to have. Oh, so yeah. she's saying goodbye to that. And as a side effect. It's her exercising any guilt that she might have had that's holding her back. It's a, it's a really selfish moment. But what can one person do? Allow someone else to constantly drag them down, even though it's her son. So the frame opens up because she's now able to be free.
1: Oh, her freedom is getting rid of the son, putting him into care. But then you don't really get the sense that she is free because then Kayla Kyla comes up to her at the end and says, I'm moving to Toronto. Mm. And then it literally is just die in this house on her own, ba- badly trying to translate children's books from <laughs> French into English. But she's not looking after a son who's dragging her down. Yeah. She's
0: able to actually work.
1: Yeah, true. There was such a sense of, in this film of where is the help? It was, Mm. it was so lonely and, and so tragically dislocated. Like she was just on her own looking after her son. And when Kyla comes along, it's great. But then even, you know, where is the help? Where is the support? And that felt like Dolan's message is, this is a really awful situation. There should be more support for people who are going through this. Yeah. And even her, I mean, her rich friend tried to help by writing a check. Mm. Yeah. And it's just so hopeless she, she. I love that phrase that she says when she says, "We have to put a little bit of water in the wine," which is basically when she goes on the date with that lawyer that neither of them like, but she mm. needs his help getting out of this financial situation. And Why it,
0: was Steve so aggressive towards him?
1: Just from the get-go, mm, he just knows that it's not genuine. He knows this guy. He's, he keeps screaming like, "You just want to fuck my mum." Mm. Like it's almost like they both understand what's going on here. The lawyer knows that he's in a, in a in kind of an empowered position where he can help this woman. Yeah. But he's not going to do it for free. He's, mm. He wants to get something out of it as well. And maybe you don't really know who the guy is. You, he could be a nice guy, essentially. He could actually... He seems nice. He could be quite good for them. Yeah. But... I think it's that Steve doesn't want Di's attention divided. Oh, yeah. There is a weird Oedipal thing that goes on there between them. Yeah, there really is. Like, the
0: kiss. Yeah. The father's yeah. dead. Yeah. He hasn't killed him, but yeah,
1: exactly. there is that
0: suggestion there.
1: Which isn't really explored. It, it's no. just an undercurrent thing that but Well, they can't explore out. it in the same way the Boardwalk Empire did.
0: <laughs> oh, what did they do? Well, the, the, Ma- the, the Matthew, what's his name? Um, uh, Matthew Pitt? Yeah, Matthew Pitt. Michael Pitt. Michael Pitt. Yeah. Michael Pitt's character um, kills his dad and then fucks his mum. Oh, wow. And then gets shot in the face himself by uh, Steve Buscemi. Oh, God. So they really went to town with the Edip- the Oedipal thing. Yeah, wow. But here, it's just a kiss. The dad's already dead. I just think Steve doesn't want any attention being diverted from him. He's okay having an additional element like the neighbor being brought in because that's more attention on him. Yeah. But anyone that's going to take Di's attention away
1: mm. is yeah.
0: out. Yeah. No way,
1: not having him in. He wants it just to be the two of them, doesn't he? Yeah. Which you can't necessarily blame him for because his mum is the one who's always been there and she she will never abandon him, you know. She even says things something like no matter what you do I'm always going to be here. But then she gives him up. Yeah. She still talks to him. Yeah. On the phone.
0: So is is it just a temporary <clears throat> is it just a temporary thing that she's you know leaving him in care. Is she going to get him back mm. when he's old enough and he's
1: mentally stable enough? Yeah. Is that the plan? I don't know. I couldn't... It felt like there was a little jump. Maybe I missed something, but it felt like there was a little jump when she just suddenly decided to put him back into care because I couldn't see how that would save her $25,000. Or what was it? 250000 It was an insane amount of money. I couldn't see how putting him in care would actually get her out of her financial I think it was position. more the fact that he tried to kill himself in the supermarket. Oh,
0: right, yeah. But the, the writ thing, the lawsuit went nowhere. No, it didn't. That, it. Wasn't on, that wasn't tied up. It was a big thing in the middle of the film where you're like, oh, fuck. But yeah, and then, then it wasn't something dealt it goes with, nowhere. It wasn't dealt with. Because it was big enough to affect the film so much so that the aspect ratio changed. Yeah,
1: yeah. The um, Did you notice how this film uh, you know we're not going to keep going about how it, it has similar things to I killed my mother yeah um
0: but we probably are <laughs> but
1: did you notice that it has a kind of an opposite version of the drunken truth bomb that happens in I killed my mother where it's fine. A- and you know, I killed my mother it's when he's on speed. He gets drunk and high and goes home and talk and <laughs> drunk follow... and high. Okay, Nana. <laughs> <laughs> he does his drugs and he goes back home and, and has a proper, honest, open discussion with his mother. Where yeah. Where he talks about how much he loves her and it's genuine in a lot well, of is ways. Is it
0: genuine? I mean, we discussed this. I don't think yeah. it's super genuine. Okay. Well, but, but then... mum thought it was and that's why she was so disappointed.
1: Yeah. Well, it's the first time that you saw him. With his guard down, with yes. his mum. Yes, and he wasn't
0: angry and yeah. shouting in that way that Dolan likes to shout.
1: Yeah, whereas with this film, it's the mother who gets raging drunk and she's the one who then drops a tr- truth bomb on Steve. A truth bomb. A truth bomb and calls him a retard and says, my problem is you and really, really awful things. That... And that's the truth, isn't it? Yeah. It's like... It's like well, um, I don't condone the use of retard, but...
0: It's like, what's the, that film? We need to talk about Kevin. Yeah, the writer of the book wrote that novel because she wanted to explore the taboo of what happens when you don't love your child. Yeah,
1: but that's different here because she clearly loves her son. She clearly loves Steve, and she just can't handle it. He's just very, very. I mean, who could anyone? How could anyone look after him on their own with no support? But the thing is, though, this is actually also really funny. Even though it's tragic in a yeah. lot of ways, some of it is really, really funny. Like the scene where they, uh, where Kyla and Di, the mum, they sit outside on the porch and they're talking about the heater waver. Yeah. The heater, microwave. Heater waver. Yeah. Which is just hilarious. And they they descend into like cackling laughter. <laughs> and it's really infectious and genuinely really funny. Um, there's but, the home alone moment when her bag yes I was going to ask you if
0: you noticed all the the, the couple of film references yeah his favourite like scene. the home alone moment yeah the
1: ghost moment ghost moment
0: yeah ghost as you know with um,
1: yeah I know the film Whoopi Goldberg yeah, and what's yeah. his face
0: yeah so when dies in the bank she's in the lobby she's in like a garish pink power suit and she's holding her bag and she's just stood there like Odomay Brown is in the bank Trying uh, to get the check for Sam.
1: I haven't seen that Before she film. gives it to the nuns. Oh, I've not seen Ghost in about it's, twenty years. It's a, an homage, not a rip-off. Oh, okay. But there's another um there's another home alone
0: moment in the film, apart from the, the shopping bag splitting.
1: Oh the shave, shaving? No. Yeah,
0: when he yeah, when he rubs the um yeah. the aftershave on his face and then does the face slap. <laughs>
1: Some of it is really funny. And like yeah. right in the first scene with Di, when she has to sign the release form, she gets that enormous bunch of keys out yeah. and is making <laughs> such a fuss because she's got a pen attached to the key ring. It's really funny.
0: But it's also really heartbreaking.
1: Yeah. Steve's suicide attempt when
0: Kayla's stutter and then she just screams, Di. Yeah. It's heartbreaking. Yeah. Also, Di imagining what Steve's life could have been. Well, she could have wished oh, it could have been an exercise Steve.
1: in that. Older Steve was so hot. Oh, my God. When he, t- when he grew up, I was like, hello, Steve.
0: The actor that played young Steve, Norm, regular Steve, yeah. he was in uh, Lawrence Always. He was the kid on Anyways. the balcony. Anyways. Oh, my God. Why do I keep calling it Lawrence Always?
1: <laughs> and he was in... The reason that Xavier Dillon worked with him is because he was in a music video that um, Xavier Dillon shot. Mm-hmm. And he kind of realised how amazing this kid was, and wants to work with him. So.
0: The scene where they give Steve over to the hospital, and there's the fight in the in the car park, and then Di suddenly changes her mind, and she's powerless to help him. Yeah, is but
1: did she change her mind though?
0: Well, her mother her motherly instinct that's deep buried or whatever that's like a core thing that mothers have, unless you don't love your mother, unless you don't love your child, (laughs) like uh, Tilda Swinton in in the film, not in real life. But (laughs) um, that kicked in. She was like helpless. It was, it was really harrowing.
1: Yeah. I don't know. I I have a real problem with the ends of Xavier Dolan films. I think that he has a tendency to really overplay the melodrama and that Mm -hmm. definitely happens in Mommy. Where that went that scene went on for so long and it was so painful and I know that it was really trying to be painful, but it started to get annoying and it was like, yeah, we get that this is really tragic. You don't have to keep ramming it down our throats. Well I guess that's the problem with a two hour forty minute film. Yeah, however long it is. Unnecessarily long film. They could have it could make it could have made the exact same points far more effectively in a briefer running time.
0: But is this more for, for such a longer uh, running time, is this
1: more effective than Lawrence Anyways? Oh, absolutely. It's so much more coherent. Mm-hmm. And you really see Di and Steve go on a, a a proper journey over the two and a half hours, whereas Lawrence Anyways really did lose itself at the midpoint, I felt. Mm-hmm. It had no idea what story it was telling anymore. And it stopped being about Lawrence and it started being more about his girlfriend who then went off and lived her own life, as we talked about. Fred. Fred, yeah, I love Fred. And how amazing is um Suzanne Clement. I know. She's again a, a
0: completely different <clears throat> character. What an amazing actress. And
1: often often when you have a character who has a, a an impediment like she does, it can close them off in some way or it can make them really um tropey. Tropey, I guess, but she has such a way of, of of getting into a character that you're there screwing up your face with her. You're there clenching your fists when you're, when she's trying to speak and you completely sympathize with her. You like her. And it's like really lovely to see her emerging. Mm. Like she only has a stammer. When she's with her family. Yeah. It's when she's with Steve and Di.
0: Her world is, her, her aspect ratio is opened up. It
1: does. She can suddenly speak and she can suddenly express herself. It's like she's, she's stifled in this family yeah. home. It's, the whole film it just has such tragedy to it. <laughs> it's so upsetting. The film opens with Di picking an apple from a tree. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. What's that about? Oh
0: God. What is the purpose of this, Joshua?
1: What, is, what does an apple represent? It, it's it's about, well, it's obviously religious.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's about, she's, she's taken a bite out of a poisoned apple. Is it that she's, she's, <laughs> but I don't you know. You sound like your catchphrase. She she, 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 I don't know. What do I you know, think? I,
0: I think, well, Eve obviously picked the apple in the Garden of
1: Eden. And then to fell give from, to Adam. Fell from God, kicked out of the garden.
0: Well, yeah. like She was tempted by a snake, which is always portrayed as a male. She picked the apple for a male. Then God, who is always portrayed as a male, kicked her out of, and Adam out of the Garden of Evil. So I
1: think... Garden of Eden.
0: Garden of Eden, sorry. <laughs> I think all of Di's issues in this film stem from men. Her husband fucked up. He left them in so much debt, then died. Yeah. Her current situation is because of him and Steve. Steve's fucking up and he's a man.
1: Steve's not fucking up. He's, it, it, I don't really feel like he's responsible for himself. He's, but he's not making the effort. But he's regardless 15 years old.
0: Regardless whether you put blame on, on Steve, her issue that we see in this film is stemming from Steve and yeah. Steve as a bloke.
1: yeah. Yeah, that's true. You know,
0: her life is in turmoil because of men. Mm. But also maybe it's saying she's also a fuck up. The apple doesn't fall far from the tree.
1: Yeah, maybe. Yeah, it's very ambiguous. Mm. I was really relieved as well because Xavier Dolan films can can descend, as we've said, they can descend into people yelling at each other mm-hmm. a lot. And it does go on for a while and it's... There was a lot of yelling in this one. There is, but now there's a reason for it. It's structured. It feels like it's telling you something about... Something really important about the characters. And previously that hasn't necessarily been the case. Mm -hmm. People have been yelling at each other and it's all a bit... It's all a bit arty and it's all a bit overwrought. Whereas with this, the fact that he has ADHD, the fact that he um, is difficult and he, he does get out of control... It's almost, it's better because you're, you, that is such an essential part of his character. Yes. That it, it isn't just yelling. It's justified. It's it's justified yelling, which is thankfully, you know, needed.
0: (laughs) This is another one where he's not
1: acting on screen. No, yeah. Because he, he did say, somebody said to him recently, when are you going to act in a film again? And he is in his new one, Max, uh, Matthias and Maxime. Yeah. But he says, you know, I'm not going to play that kid in Mommy. I'm not going to just force myself into a film. Yeah. Even though he says that his first love is acting, which is which is great because he he doesn't do the, the Hitchcock thing where he just turns up as a cash register worker or yeah. a doctor or something.
0: So he's not appeared on screen since Lawrence... Oh, no, since Tom of the Farm.
1: Since Tom of the Farm, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it just, it just didn't... He didn't fit into this film and that's fair enough, I think.
0: Otherwise, he'll just end up being Adam Sandler. Yeah. Still paying... Still still playing a 20-year-old in his 50s. Mm. Or like Divine, because Divine wanted to play Tracy Turnbull in Hairspray. And John was
1: like, John Waters said... The mom. Yeah, you are the mum. Yeah, you're the mum. You are far too old to play a teenager. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, the thing that is r- kind of a relief with this one, actually, is that have you noticed how Xavier Dylan kind of flip-flops between really big, sprawling, epic drama and then very tightly kind of tight small focused films ever since he did elaborate so so we had i killed my mother which was his debut which kind of is a bit separate in some ways from this It's sketching yeah so then you have heartbeats Mm -hmm. which is very contained very contained very narrow economical three characters economical exactly then you have lawrence anyways which is this enormous sprawling thing then we had Tom at the farm, which was again what, pretty much one location. Yes. only two the or farm. three characters exactly, and Tom. <laughs> yeah, and and he's at it exactly at the. <laughs> and then we have Mommy, which is another big sprawling thing. Yes. But it doesn't feel like a runaway train in the way that Lawrence Anyways did. No, it feels in control, definitely. It feels like he's suddenly sussed out the formula Mm -hmm. for how to tell something big and ambitious without losing what that thing actually is.
0: It's kind
1: of when
0: Spielberg made the jump from making films aimed at uh, sort of young people for Saturday nights. And he went and did The Color Purple and he just couldn't make it work
1: which we covered on the podcast which we covered on the podcast yeah. so go
0: and listen to our episodes and that. but he just couldn't make it work it was
1: far too flippant and whimsical it, the tone was bizarre the
0: tone was just weird yeah and it took him maybe almost 10 years to do a proper adult film not adult film he didn't do porn <laughs> but and if he did Can you imagine it'd be, it'd there wouldn't be, be, a mother. <laughs> <laughs> be an alien <laughs> But they, it took him almost 10 years to make Schindler's List after that. Yeah. So, it, it, you know, he had that creative oddity. I don't want to say failure because a lot no. of people find... Great performances in it. Yeah. You know, like Whoopi Goldberg. Yeah. Um, Danny Glover. Mm. And Whoopi. Shug. And And what's, his, as well. what's her name? Oprah Winfrey. Yeah, yeah. But it took Spielberg to have that oddity to go, right, now I need to sort of step back. Now I understand how to do that. Let me go do it. Yeah. Quentin Tarantino said, after making Kill Bill Volume 1 and Volume 2, he said, now I know how to do a movie like that. Yeah. Which is strange because he just did it and there he aced it.
1: Yeah. It's like, I've read uh, an interview with Neil Gaiman who, when he'd finished writing American Gods or mm-hmm. when he was towards the end of finishing American Gods, he said to his friend, I think maybe it was... uh Goldman, Jane—is it Jane Goldman? I think he was. Oh yeah, yeah, Jonathan he, Ross's wife. Yeah, yeah I I think, they're all good mates. I think he said to her. I think he That's said her emailing. Oh. Yes, it is John Jane Goldman. Oh right, great, thanks for that. Uh, he was like, "Oh, I've 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 figured out I've figured out how to write a book. Finally, I've just figured it <laughs> out." And she was like, "No, no, no, you figured out how to write this book." Yes, that is Which a very is, good point because every film's different.
0: Often I will I will I don't want to blow my own trumpet because uh, my my back doesn't bend that way why uh-huh. why stop now <laughs> <laughs> my lips are so chapped um <laughs> often i will ace a photo shoot where i'm trying something new and i go brilliant i know how to do this yeah. and then i often think no i know how to do that yeah. so i can com- i completely completely agree with that completely but,
1: but then the more you do the more you can maybe if, you, if you're doing a new project you can you can kind of say well I'm not going to do that thing because I did that before and that might not work for this so you can, you can you're can, you more aware of which tools you have I suppose.
0: Yeah and then you want to get out of your comfort zone so maybe this is why Xavier Dolan has flip-flopped between going from small tense intimate to big sprawling films but at the heart of all his films so far and especially this one is always the human relationships. This is a three-hander it's called yeah. Mummy, but it is a three-hander.
1: Yeah, it is, and the film really finds itself when it's got uh, Steve, Diane, Kylo. Yes, in and a room that, together. It's that dinner scene where everything is golden. Yeah, and they're all
0: giggling. It's it's it's, a, it's such a wonderful scene, and they end up singing
1: Celine Dion. Yeah, in the kitchen dancing away.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's so it's so sweet. It sort of sort of reminds me of when things get happy in Mrs. Doubtfire and yeah. the mum, is it Sally Field is dancing or is, is enjoying the company of Mrs. Doubtfire, uh-huh. not knowing that it was Daniel all the time, all the time, Daniel, all the the whole time, time, the whole time, the whole time. I have to go.
1: I have to leave. I have to leave. I have to go. I have to leave right now.
0: Um, but it just reminds me of, of that. It's, it's such a yeah. high concept, but it's such an amazing, quiet, joyful moment.
1: Yeah. And he's, uh, Xavier Dolan has talked about his musical choices because Celine Dion, he's had in a couple of films now. And I think um, it's
0: a, a, a law anyway. If you make a film <laughs> in Canada,
1: you have to feature Queen Celine. Yeah. In her native tongue, not in English. Yes. in her native he never, tongue. he never, he never has a, an English singing Celine. But he's talked about... She was on the telly the other day, sorry. She was on the telly the the other day. And
0: she was saying, um, you know, when I meet women, I say to them, what is your beauty regime? Please tell me, please tell (laughs) me, what is your beauty regime? And I don't don't know why, I've made her an Arab lady. A Turkish lady. But I just think, hang on, you're a really
1: good looking woman. Why are you just being this fake humble? Maybe she genuinely wants to know. Maybe she's trying to live forever. Celine will live forever. Yeah, that Her heart will go on.
0: I have to edit that bit it's out. Just- no, I'm <laughs> going to leave that in. <laughs> Let's talk about Xavier Dolan's grammar.
1: Okay, can I just can I just oh. give you my favourite line from this film? Yes. Okay. <laughs> just because I just you saw. Don't it need my- to ask permission. I just saw. I just saw it on my notes, and I was just. In fact, can you put it? your hand up before you ask a question? please? Okay, my hands up. Can yes. I- yes. All right. My favourite line is when uh, Di finally says a whole line in English, apart from one word, which is when she says, Not a Del moment avec Steve.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's like like Fraser Crane just dropping a bit of French in there. Yeah, I know. Um, (laughs) So let's talk talk about Xavier Dolan grammar in this film. So there were some brilliant colour casts. So as I said, during that uh, dinner scene, it was really golden. Then it was blue during the karaoke scene. And then in the basement when Di is doing her washing and she first sees uh, Kyla sitting across the street on the step of her own house. It's all sickly green.
1: And there's that weird, blurry yeah, plug-up like thing on the window. it's a dirty
0: window, but it's the most beautiful dirty window ever. So it, was like, it was like a Renaissance painting. Yeah, it was. Framing Di in this dirty frame. It was, it was, it, like, it was gorgeous, but It was like filthy. in The Little
1: Mermaid when... When somebody looks... Body in, language! When, the, I think it's Eric's in the, in the mirror and Eric starts singing or something and then you realise it's actually just a spell. And I genuinely have not seen The Little Mermaid since I saw it at the cinema in 1989. Oh dear I've not God. seen it for... Th- thir- are you sure? me, it's 30 years old. Oh, it's you to get that on the podcast. I've got fuck. it on DVD. It's my favourite film. 30 years old. I remember oh, really? I saw it. My au pair took me. Oh, are you serious? <laughs> serious. You're my au pair. au pair took me. Was it (laughs) Zayd (laughs) underwear? Le spécial.
0: Yeah, so playing with he he also played with aspect ratio. Being in the car, there were some scenes in the car. He loves being in the car. Loves a car.
1: Um, Did you notice any like following characters from behind? Yeah, not as much as he has done. There was mm, lots of no. lots of following characters from the front this time. Oh, he's diversified. Yeah, but he's um, not just bottom; he's also a top. I don't know. The mo-
0: <laughs> the moment that Dive was shouting and ranting and unloading in the car park, yeah, that was completely from behind. We didn't even need to see her face; it was all from behind mm. as she was sort of stomping away. And she turns around and realises Steve's fucked off.
1: There's also another beach scene. Another idyllic beach scene.
0: Oh, in flashback. Yeah. 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 What yeah, yeah. another flashback because it was a it was a flashback beach scene in I Killed My Mother. Yeah. Mother-son relationships, obviously. Ofs. Ofs, that goes without saying. A real lack of and restraint of surreal asides. There was only one that I could consider, you know, a, a side clip of uh, an expressionist and surreal moment like he does in in various other films yeah. and it's Steve in the bath of ice and the reason I say it's only sort of half half is because it's actually part of the like narrative the Calm down. he's either put ice in the bath because he gets out and says I always had a cold shower after I'd spunked or something or jizzed <laughs> or jerked off yeah
1: that seems to have been less of a thing for Xavier Dolan as his films have gone on Yeah, Tom at the farm didn't have any, but Long's, anyways, is the last time he really went all out surrealism with the flying clothes in the air. He does slow motion, not as
0: much as as in other films. He does some slow motion on the bike and also Steve, but that's flopping the bed.
1: That's half speed. It's not full slow mo. It's almost half speed slow mo. Well,
0: anything slow is slow mo. But I Um, love that
1: when he was twirling around on the um, shopping trolley. I loved it so much. It's great.
0: Just really joyful.
1: It was. And that's what he could have been like. That's what Steve could have been like if he had taken his pills and actually, you know, let his mum help him, I guess. What? She kept saying to him, take your pill, take your pill. And you never once saw him take his pills, which is why he would erupt like that every once in a while. You're
0: saying he would have just been spinning, spinning, around, spinning around, happy just as Larry. For, for all eternity. <laughs> <laughs> So that was Mummy, directed by Xavier Dolan. Mummy,
1: you're just a mean man without a mommy. You're just a mean mommy without a man. I haven't seen Hook in years. You love it. You love I it do. so much. You quote it all the time. Oh, I,
0: I used to have it on VHS in like a big fat yes, um, chunky thing. Yeah, chunky cassette where yeah. it's sort of embedded in. Give us a clue as to the next film we'll be covering. Whoopi's covering. the Whoopi Goldboat is going to be covering Joshua the next film you're in trouble girl
1: (laughs) the next film is another one that he's adapted oh yeah wonder what it could be
0: don't know you can catch that episode on Apple Podcasts Spotify Acast and tune in subscribe so you don't miss an episode can I also
1: just say how much I loved the use of the song Colourblind by Counting Crows in this film yes you can say it was so beautiful and it was in "Quill Intentions which is how I know that song because Current Intentions used it really well too oh anyway lovely Um, yeah so we're also on Twitter do you love Counting Crows do you love Xavier Dolan Give I love a... Smashing Pumpkins do you well let us know on Twitter not like Counting Crows let us know on Twitter I will I'll let you know now alright thanks <laughs> While you
0: are listening to podcasts, you should also go and listen to Track by Track, the Trash Music podcast. It's our sister podcast hosted by Editor-in-Chief Dan Ball and contributor Will Warren. They're also in all the places where you usually get your podcasts.
1: So in the bin.
0: In the podcast bin. In the trash. We're off to buy a heater weaver. Heater weaver. Until next time, I remain Robert Gershenson. Americans
1: always know best. I'm Joshua Winning. (laughs) Ha (laughs) ha 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 ha
0: Ha <laughs> <laughs>